Welcome or welcome back to the company of the cat and happy new year. Finally, after I don't even know how long, the horn episode is here. We made it. So, we know three magical horns in the story, the horn of winter, the dragon binder and the kraken summoning horn. I will break down each one of them and what I think they are doing. As I said in my guard theory, horns and antlers, virility, fertility and trees are all associated with gods like Kernunos and Pan, and in the A Song of Ice and Fire universe with Garth and characters like him. Storm, Thunder and Sky Gods are the direct evolution of these forest fertility deities, and they have as symbols hammers and thunderbolts. In our story, characters with horns and antlers are always connected with hammers too. Robert was like a horned god with a hammer in his youth, Tormund is known as a hornblower, but also as a thunderfist, with hands as big as hammers. The good brothers are known for being hornblowers, and their sigil also depicts a worn horn, and their main castle is called Hammerhorn. We see a constant connection between horns and hammers, and in the fandom I have seen a few people suggest that the Hammer of the Waters was a horn. And I believe this too, the parallels are way too many and all over the novels for that to not be the case. We also have this line from the World Book. Even if we accept that the old gods broke the arm of dawn with, with the hammer of the waters, as the legends claim, the green seers sang their song too late. We see a connection between magic, sound and now hammers too. More specifically, the hammer of the waters. Looking around for theories to see what is going on in the fandom, I saw a huge Mandela effect. Many people think that the land on that part broke and created the stepstones, and there is talk of earthquakes and similar stuff, but this isn't true. We are told multiple times that it was a cataclysm, a sea rise. I mean the name is even Hammer of the Waters. Why create earthquakes or whatever? It affects the waters. The old gods say that the green seers used dark magic to make the seas rise and sweep away the land, shattering the arm, but it was too late to close the door. The shattering of the arm is more about its appearance after the sea rose and how it looks broken and how the connection between Essos and Westeros broke. Not because the land broke. The hammer of the waters controlled waters, it didn't shatter the earth. Now. This is freaking strong magic, they raised the sea level globally. And I say that because if we see the geography, we see a lot of brown places around the world. I will do a pre-hammer geography of Planetos video at some point, but for now you can see on the screen many of the places we know drowned. This event is described as dark too. Additionally, we know they sacrificed even their own children. So, yeah. And it makes sense, the stronger the magic, the bigger the price. We are reminded of that very often. I will return to the hammer later, but I want to talk about the other horns first. About the dragon binder, the horn is 183 meters long. It is made from the horn of what must have been an enormous dragon. It has a black gleam, is banded with red, gold and valyrian steel, and when touched, the horn feels warm and smooth. Its surface is shiny and reflective, although the reflection is twisted. Strange writings and valyrian glyphs cover the band of the horn, and when the horn sounds, the glyphs glow red-hot and then white-hot. This thing is huge. It is way too big and impractical to be a horn that binds you to a dragon. You need to carry that monster around until you find a dragon to bond with. 
This is plain idiotic from a Valyrian perspective. They did have their blood to help them bond. And they didn't need a horn. If the horn's job is to create a bond with a dragon, why did the Valyrians use it and similar horns all the time? It doesn't add up. Valyrians did whatever the hell they did to have the bond in their blood and keep it for them only, keep it unique. They practice incest since the beginning for this reason exactly. It was not something that happened and started after the doom. They kept the bond inside the family. A horn that gives anyone that can read it the ability to bond with a dragon is very stupid if you ask me, especially when they have done all this to keep this exact ability within these 40 families. Bloodlines. The technology and magic used in these horns sound very similar to each other. There is no way that one can give you the ability to control sea level and the other bind you to a dragon that can't even be controlled with certainty after. Because the fact that you have a bond doesn't guarantee that the dragon will obey your every order. Dragons are not slaves, and we have seen in the novels and House of the Dragon that they aren't exactly controlled. Also, a good number of slaves, I imagine, could probably read and speak Valyrian and could get their hands on a horn. Why risk something like this? I don't think it binds you to a dragon. They just don't get the Valyrian writings exactly. Aemon and Rhaegar found a prophecy talking about a dragon, but it was not a literal dragon. So what makes us believe that here they meant a real dragon? And this is where I'm gonna do a lexilogical analysis of Old High Valyrian. It is gonna be pretty basic, since Martin himself said that he is not creating a full language as Tolkien did. I will not take into consideration the language that is... the language... the language that is used in the series at least the words we do not have in the books, because they are changed. For example, they made an exception for the word Dracaris because Peterson thought it was too close to Draco, since Latin is not one of the languages used as a reference when they constructed High Valyrian, he considered it as a unique linguistic unit. For the High Valyrian that he developed, he used Zaldrises as the word for dragon, but in the books we do not have that word. I will only talk about the seven words Martin himself made up. Dracaris means dragonfire, and Valar means all men. So Valyrians pretty much means firemen or men of fire, something like that. Since Ri from Dracaris, I get that it is fire, and Vale, Val or Vali means men. Sam and Mel say that Obsidian in High Valyrian was called frozen fire. And it makes sense, pretty much this is it, solid cool lava. In the common talk, it's called dragon glass, and there is the notion that it is made by dragons. Is dragon glass made by dragons, as the small folk like to say? The maesters think not, some stammered. The maesters say it comes from the fires of the earth, they call it obsidian. Like maester, we know that it is not. It's formed by the rapid cooling of viscous lava from the volcanoes, and maesters say it is forged in the fires of the god far below the earth. Obsidian is restricted to volcanic regions, and the godly fires they are talking about deep into the earth are the lava, magma, and in general volcanic fires. Dragons are fire made flesh, and the Valyrian power source was the Fourteen Flames. The reason why they had dragons was the Fourteen Flames, and volcanoes are nature's dragons, pretty much. Valerian themselves believed the dragons were the children of the volcanoes. If one horn controls the sea level, 
then it makes much more sense for a similar horn to control the 14 freaking flames in Valyria, not just the dragon. When Euron was talking about the horn, he said, The horn you heard, I found amongst the smoking ruins that were Valyria, where no man had dared to walk but me. You heard its cold and felt its power. It is a dragon horn, bound with bands of red gold and Valyrian steel graven with enchantments. The dragon lords of old sounded such horns before the doom devoured them. The way it is worded sounds like the horns were somehow involved in the doom. And that would make sense if they were indeed for controlling the volcanoes. This thing gives you the ability to connect with something and cause something huge and important, something similar to the Hammer of the Waters that caused the freaking cataclysm. Dragonbinder is described as Hellhorn all the time, even after we learned the name, people still call it Hellhorn. They could call it Dragonhorn or something similar, since they are told that this is his job, but no, Martin chose to call it Hellhorn throughout the books. Aaron even said it was a terrible sound, a wail of pain and fury that seemed to burn the ears. Aaron Dampier covered his and prayed for the drowned god to raise a mighty wave and smash the horn to silence. Yet still the shriek went on and on. It is the horn of hell, he wanted to scream, though no man would have heard him. To me, it sounds like he is giving you the ability to control the fiery hells we call volcanoes, the parents of dragons, and not normal dragons. The fires the Mokoros had burned hotter than any human fire, like dragon fire burns hotter than any human fire. Even for the Horn of Winter, one of the things we learn is that it allegedly wakes giants from, from the earth. I doubt Valyrians had this kind of horns for a completely different world. It wouldn't fit. Now, not in every place in Planet Oz Long Night is connected with the others. The darkness is the common denominator, not the others. And volcanic eruptions can cause extended winters and darkness because of the ash. We have stories about the demons from the east and the others from the north, but in the middle of Essos, they had a long night too. And if the fourteen flames erupted for some reason, easily could cause a long night. I don't think it works only with the fourteen flames, but all volcanoes. Let's not forget that Valyrians chose Dragonstone to build their very magical outpost, an island with a very active volcano. So they could take powers from all volcanoes. Just the 14 flames were more powerful because of their sheer size and number. We also have heavy clues about Winterfell being built in a volcanic area, so we do have at least possible places that can be used. We know that the Horn of Winter, also known as the Horn of Yoramun, is a legendary magical horn, and thousands of years ago Yoramun, a king beyond the wall, supposedly blew the horn and woke giants from the earth. The Free Folk, for some reason, believe that blowing the horn can bring down the wall. If it is similar to Dragonbinder and the one that Mel burned, we are talking about huge horns, meaning they were for similar jobs. They call it the Horn of Winter, and we have one connected to fire and one connected to water. So I'm guessing this one is connected to ice. The second thing that I'm gonna guess is that it belonged to the Nightwatch at first. Their vow says, I am the sword in the darkness, I am the water on the walls, I am the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, the shield that guards the realms of men. They are the horn that wakes the sleepers. And all in all, it makes sense for the people on the wall to have a horn that can control it. What is weird about this whole situation 
is why make a horn that brings down the barrier that protects you in the first place. Personally, I think that the horn Melbourne was a part of the original horn, because Sam's horn is described as chipped on the rim from an aurochs and banded with bronze. It easily could be the upper part of the horn that was burned, since we know Dragonbinder have both red gold and valyrian steel. So this one could have bronze, like the one in the small part, and red gold too, that apparently the bigger horn had. Also, both Mance's horn and Sam's are from the same animal, an enormous aurochs. And I don't know if Mel used illusions when the burning was done, but if she didn't, then the horn was magical, and something was activated or deactivated, because the runes glowed similar to the glyphs on the dragon binder. And considering a sacrifice was made since Rattleshirt was burned along with the horn, I wouldn't find it weird to be similarly bound like the dragon binder. The thing is, to who? <laughs> Back on the horn's job though, why the hell make a horn that brings down the wall? They have the army of the dead outside and they don't know when this shit happens every time, why bring it down? Except if it wasn't only for bringing down the wall, but also for bringing it up. The horn's name is the Horn of Winter, so it is used in winter. And most likely would have ice magic powers because of ice and fire and all that jazz. But if it was used in winter, why bring the wall down? It doesn't make sense. They say they are the shield that protects the realm of men. They're guarding the wall, and at the same time, they are the horn that wakes the sleepers. So they bring the wall up, not down. Even the way the vow is written could have two interpretations, that they are the shield that guards the realms of men, but also that wakes the sleepers who are the shield that guards the realm of men. So the wall. And by the way, this is the part of the vow that you need to say to the Black Gate so you can pass. It is an important part. The Black Gate is a subterranean door, and it is useful when it is dangerous to walk on the surface. So when the others are very active and the magical wall needs to be up. The wall is both the physical and the magical barrier. And we are talking about strong magic. Melisandre said that even in a size she wasn't that strong. In a sigh. The legend says that spells are woven into the foundations of the wall, and we know the wall goes very deep into the earth. The thing is, we do not know what spells, and it is heavily speculated by a lot of people that ice magic is involved, and it makes sense. Obviously, we are talking about a huge ice wall. I don't even know how you can build this thing without magic, to be honest. It is described as compact, massive. So I really think that it cannot be built without magic. The horn wakes the sleepers, and other stories say that it wakes giants from the earth. In my mind, it's way more plausible and logical for the horn to raise the giant ice wall when needed. Imagine the havoc that could cause around it if the horn raises a giant icy magical wall from the earth, because they say it wakes giant from the earth. And if it can control the magic and raise it, it could probably bring it down as well. And this is why these legends about bringing the wall down exist. It would work like a switch of sorts. It controls the magical spells at the base, and if the intention is to bring it down, you can. The five forts have a similar job to the wall. According to the legends, they protect from the demons the Lion of the Night Sand. And they are five forts like there are castles on the wall. 
But we do not see a huge barrier similar to the icy part of the wall. There must be something in between, though, if indeed there was something similar to the others. Because there are several kilometers between each other, so whatever there is, it can be up or down. That's why I'm not sure the icy part must be up all the time, and it could also be bad to be up all the time, and not only during the long night. It could be messing up with the seasons, if the magic involved is ice magic and stronger than that of freaking a sigh. So we have horns used by the Valyrians, similar to the Dragonbinder, to control the volcanoes, and one horn to control the very, very magical ice wall that apparently blocks not only the others, but the dragons too. Since Silverwing couldn't cross the wall and even was distressed, both horns are similar in how powerful they are, do a similar job, control a very strong magical force from underneath, and could cause physical damage. Plus they represent fire and ice, which is the main theme of the series. The Horned and the Dragon Glass Blades were put there for a reason. So the Horned Sam has must be part of the original. And I believe he's going to be the one that blows the horn too. He is Sam Tarly of Hornhill, and a descendant of the legendary son of Garth, Herdon of the Horn. And if not Sam, then Euron, and I will explain why. A more symbolic clue that the horn controls who passes the wall and who does not is the story of Herok Kenning, an ironborn warrior of House Kenning of Harlow who founded House Kenning of Case in the Westerlands. They have as an heirloom his worn horn, the horn of Herok, which has been passed down for many generations. During the war between the Driftwood Kings and the Kings of the Rock, Herok the Horson used his horn as a signal for the horse of Case to open a postern gate. His men then captured the town for House Lannister. So we have an ironborn from a house with the depiction of the storm god and later for Sunburst betraying his people by opening the gates of a wall to the enemy with the use of a warhorn. Euron is an ironborn with the epithet Crow's Eye and crows are creatures of the storm god. On top of that he wants to bring the apocalypse so he is a strong contender for blowing the horn to bring the wall down and he is in the right place to take the horn to at that point. The last horn we get to learn about is the horn that House Keltigar possesses and allegedly the Ironborn had at some point too. They say that it summons the Krakens, but again, pretty weird. But it could cause something that triggers the Krakens to come. In the Winds of Winter Ariane chapter we have, there is this quote, and Krakens of the Broken Arm pulling under crippled galleys, said Valena. The blood rose them to the surface, our maesters claim. They are bodies in the waters. A few have washed up on our shores. So bodies and blood in the water draw them to the surface. Do you know what caused many bodies in the water? Cataclysms. Especially violent and big-scale cataclysms. And obviously, with so many bodies in the water, krakens will come to the surface. Also, it is very interesting that this scene specifically takes place at the arm the area the children tried to drown by using the hammer. Which, as I mentioned before, seems like it was a horn. So the horn that calls the Kraken, I think is the hammer of the waters. The hammer was a similar horn that could raise the sea level and for some reason it stayed as a hammer in the stories and legends. I think this horn doesn't take power from underneath only, but from above. 
From the way the stories are describing this whole event, it sounds like it was very quick and violent. It is described as dark magic. They sacrifice their kids. And there aren't many ways for the sea level to rise so abruptly and in general, high and low tides are caused by the moon. The moon's gravitational pull generates the tidal force that causes Earth and its waters to bulge out on the side closest to the moon and the side furthest from the moon. So the moon coming closer to planetos could cause a huge cataclysm because of the sea rise and not only that. If some celestial body was passing close to the moon, it could have been hit by the moon and fallen down. Also, moon fragments may have fallen too, and that would explain why they call it the hammer. It looked like a hammer hitting something. If the moon got closer, there would be a lot of coastal flooding because there would be a lot more gravitational influence on the interior of the Earth. That leads to a lot more volcanism and earthquakes too. Additionally, if the moon was moved closer, it could have easily caused celestial bodies and fragments to fall and that would explain all the falling stars and rocks we have at the same time. The Dothraki believe that the moon is a goddess and both the fallen star that was used for the forging of dawn and the black stone that fell from the sky had magical properties. So I think all celestial bodies have magic power in their core. So having a magical horn that uses the power from planetos as well as the power of the moon to raise the sea level sounds very plausible to me for some reason, especially if we think that all the important events we have from legends and myths somehow affected the moon and more often than not negatively and as i said in my video about the intro of house of the dragon we have way too many instances where weirwoods and wells look connected to the moon and these things lead to the depths of planetos a trader from karth once told me that dragons came from the moon the karthin believed that dragons were hatched from a second moon that came too close to the sun and cracked this sounds like something happened to the moon and dragons hatched. So it could be that the Valyrians used horns similar to Dragonbinder or even maybe the Dragonbinder to create the first dragon bond and magic up their blood with their power from the volcanoes and the moon. Dragons are fire-made flesh that have as parents the volcanoes, according to Valyrian themselves and can fly like the moon. Even Dragonbinder first glows red and then white. And the Valyrians have characteristic moon-white hair and skin and their eyes are the color of the sky when the moon is stopping to glow. While Doria brushed her hair until it shone like spun silver, she thought about the moon and eggs and dragons. The wall too is described as a giant coming out of the earth and the ice glimmers in the light of the moon, it looks alike with moonlight, and it is painted by the pale light of the moon, making it look mysterious and immense. Even the Dance with Dragons uh, epilogue describes the white raven that announces the winter as painted silver with moonlight. The wall is more the magical barrier, and not just the physical one. The others cannot pass, but flying dragons cannot pass either. The magic of the wall doesn't stop when the ice stops. It continues far above it. I think the wall is still connected with the moon. It doesn't use the power only to rise from the earth, but to stay up as well. 
and it might be necessary to fall down because the power in it is immense. The waters too are described as simmering in the moonlight and painted silver by the moon very very often. We even have one quote from Tyrion and one from Asha that connects the moon with the sea very interestingly. Tyrion had never seen a bigger moon, monstrous, swollen, it looked as if it had swallowed the sun and woken with a fever. Its twin floating on the sea beyond the ship simmered red with every wave. This could be a similar picture to what the Carthine saw. And we see it also reflected on the waters, too. Asha also said to Tristan, Splash some blood upon the moon with me and I promise you a kiss for every kill. Both of them are talking about the reflection of the moon on the water and in both instances the moon is bloody. Tyrion is describing the reflection of the moon on the water of the sea and it's red and unusual and gleaming even more with every wave. Asha is talking about fighting on the sea and when they spill blood on the sea at night it looks like they spill it on the moon since its reflection is visible to the water surface. There is even an ironborn house, House Winds of Pike, that has a bloody moon on purple. The ironborn of old started their attacks and spilled blood on the sea at dawn, the hour when the moon is still visible and the sky purple. And the only other time we see the Kraken Horn, a Rothgar of Pike had it. The moon is very important in the story and it has power itself. We even have the moon singers of the Jogos Nai. The moon singers led us to this place of refugee, where the dragons of Valyria could not find us. Theirs is the greatest temple. Singing to the moon is a way to have power, like the children sing the song of the earth and have magic. Singing and sound can wield power. I talked about it on the Dragon Had Three Heads theory. And I think it is very obvious from the title of the series too, if we're honest. But if these horns sound is similar to the Dragonbinders, they sound horrendous and violent. You can feel their power in your bones. It's not the ethereal and pretty songs the children or the moon singers sing. Or the secret song the old man of the river and the crab king of the Roiner sang to bring back the day. The sigils of House Massey and House Strong have a triple spiral, red, green and blue on white, and three stripes, blue, red and green, on a white field, respectively. White is the color of the moon, with green symbolizing water, because funnily enough, grey and green are the colors most used for the sea and not blue. Blue symbolizing ice and red the fire. Martin is a fan of heraldry and he puts clues on sigils even if the houses are not important in the main story. So I don't think these sigils were put in there randomly, especially the sigils from such ancient houses. Green is a secondary color, made from a cool color and a warm one. The other two are basic with blue being the coolest and red the warmest. And I believe it is the reason why water and earth are represented by green, they are the middle ground, but ice and fire are the extremes, like red and blue. Same with the use of purple, another secondary color, for dawn. It is the hour of the day when we have sunlight, but the moon is also visible. In conclusion, I think all the horns use the power of planetos as well as the power of the moon to create impossible strong magic that otherwise wouldn't be possible. But something like this can be catastrophic and dangerous as well as we have seen. That's all for today. I hope 2023 is good so far for other people because if you ask me I already don't like it. But what can you do? I hope you enjoyed the first video of the year. If you did press a like and subscribe to the channel for more. 
Thanks for tuning in and bye.